The following podcast may contain strong language and adult themes and is therefore entirely suitable for Danes of all ages. This is English for Danes. Daisies blooming Sundress swaying in the breeze I can't stop staring You've put a spell on me Hello again. Denmark has over 450 million kilometres of designated cycle paths in cities, alongside country roads, along the coastline and up both hills. Cities have separate traffic lights for cyclists, stands where they can rest at junctions, wide enough lanes to pass by, and even speed indicators, not fart control. People cycle along balancing shopping bags, furniture, tools, whatever. You can take the bike on the metro and commuter trains, outside rush hour, and taxis have bike racks for those too tired or drunk to get home. 50% of Copenhageners commute to work by bike, whatever the weather. Whether CEOs, lawyers, shop assistants, hotel employees or teachers, everyone hops on a bike in their work clothes. There is an exception, I'll get to mild-mannered Morton. You can also throw in the kids cycling to school and the parents dropping off their kids at nursery and kindergarten, the kids sitting behind in child seats or sitting up front in Christiania bikes. Everyone knows and uses the hand signals, and typically cycle at great speed, at least half without helmets or the inflatable neck thing. On the whole, cycling in the city is well catered for and perfectly pleasant. There are sometimes accidents, but considering the number of people, this is surprisingly uncommon. Vehicles turning right without spotting the cyclist is the main danger. There are problems, Broken beer bottles mean regular trips to the cycle repair shop, people insist on texting while cycling, and some commuters act as if they're training for the Tour de France. The Tour de France, with bells. Danes are huge Tour de France fans. This year, Denmark's enthusiasm for the Tour was rewarded by being awarded the first three stages. The crowds and sheer joy were something to behold, especially as a Dane ended the three stages as king of the mountains. Naturally, all these cyclists are great for the environment, less air pollution, but Danes have been doing this long before the environment became a recognised crisis. Denmark loves its bike culture. Maybe it should adopt Queen's Bicycle Race as its national anthem. Besides tickling me every time I heard it, it might be the only national anthem English football fans wouldn't boo through. Let me introduce Morton. Morton is a banker. He's also on the board of a notorious gang, the WC Gang, the Whiskey Coast Gang. Every weekend they put on their gang colours and meet up to cycle a hundred kilometres around their patch, the country roads of North Zealand. A gang of sweaty middle-aged men, they take up most of the road and scowl at any cars wishing to overtake. Morton likes a good bottle of wine and has a wine cellar to prove it. He and his wife, Karen, have a lovely villa surrounded by lovely villas. They are members of the local golf club, 
are engaged in the local community, volunteering for everything they can, and often host dinner parties where Morton stands over his Weber while their guests discuss house prices, free value, their latest DIY projects, and their most recent designer purchases. Everyone likes Morton and Karen. They're generous, warm, and very, very fit. Every weekday morning, Morton jumps out of bed and eats skur covered in organic seeds. He puts on his skin-tight lycra colours, his streamlined helmet, and stands in front of the mirror by the front door. He likes what he sees. Mild-mannered Morton then transforms. He becomes a man possessed. He gradually pumps himself up before shouting his morning battle cry. I feel the need, the need for speed. Morton unlocks his 420-gear bike and hits the road. Morton pumps away, knowing he'll have to navigate the Copenhagen masses commuting to work and school on the cycle paths. Morton has one strategy, ride at top speed on their left-hand side, ringing his bell and growling whenever anyone dares to not pull in on time. He checks his watch. He has two minutes, thirty-three seconds to beat his record. Ring, ring, growl, hiss. Morton arrives at work, takes a shower, and vows to beat his record on the way home by leaving a little earlier than normal, 2.30 rather than 3 o'clock. He then returns to being mild-mannered Morton. There's only one thing more dangerous on two wheels than Morton and his like, a tourist, a disaster waiting to happen. The other day I was cycling somewhere with Christine. As usual, she left me behind. At some point she stopped, and as I caught up, she was clearly having a very entertaining time. How can you cycle so slowly without falling off? I don't do fast on a bike. I quickly learned that the safest way to get from A to B was to take it easy in the slow lane. I also learned from experience that it's not a great idea to cycle home when you're tanked up on pale ale. I have no one to blame but myself, and no one was there to witness the comic event. I stopped at the traffic lights, attempted to get off, but forgot I was back on my man's bike after borrowing Christine's lady bike, and there was no hole to pass my leg through. I fell off, impressively slowly, and smashed my collarbone on the edge of the curb. I slept on the sofa, and was woken by the caring voice of Christine. Have you been in a fight? Has anyone else fallen off a bike while drunk? Yes, I've tried that, says Pear. You've tried to fall off? Well, trying to do something is to make an effort to achieve something. Oh, by the way, this is a worth remembering. You may try to cut down on meat, or try to find a job, or try to lose weight, or try to stop smoking. But most people don't try to break their leg, or try to lose their passport or try to get arrested, or try to get struck by lightning. If someone says, I broke my leg falling out of a tree, or something similarly unpleasant, if you've experienced the same, the response should be, Oh, I've done that, or that happened to me. When a Dane tells me, I've tried to break my leg, my imagination goes into overdrive. If you have genuinely tried to break your leg, I look forward to hearing about it. Oh, 
there's another worth remembering. What a coincidence. I look forward to hearing from you, seeing you, meeting you. I have to look forward to, or looking forward to, always use the ing form. I'm looking forward to showing you my new lamp. Of course, you can only stick ing on the end of a verb, not I'm looking forward to tomorrowing. This ing after two really puzzles Danes, but I'm afraid it's too much to get into on a pod. Anyway, the interesting thing about my bone-breaking attempt to integrate into Danish society wasn't the fact that my collarbone was a deformed mess, but the conversation at Skaderstool. The nurse looked at me and said, Fell off your bike? Er, uh, yes. Do you do any sport? Er, uh, well, not really. I go swimming. Okay, then we'll operate. So if I didn't do sport, they'd leave it as it is? I later learned that whether they operate or not depends on the hospital. Bit odd. This was my first trip to Skaderstool. Our oldest had just arrived. Our second two years later. Over time, Skaderstool became a home from home. Yes, there's a lot of waiting, but the service has always been caring and exemplary. The recent election had a lot of focus on Denmark's health service. All the parties agreed that nurses should be paid more. Even Kingmaker Lars, who everyone agreed had made a mess of the health service when he was health minister. 12% of GDP, BNP in Danish, is spent on health care. But it's still struggling, and the ever-increasing waiting times are evidence of this. Covid hasn't helped in this, but I remember many years ago my brother-in-law being offered an appointment with a specialist for his dodgy back that was 12 months away. He phoned back to say he couldn't make it that day. Funny bloke. It's very bureaucratic here, but that fits with Denmark's love of rules. Maybe it's all very necessary. Back when I researched my book, Denmark's health service was the only area where they ranked low compared to other OECD countries. 26th. However frustrating sometimes, and however much I dislike the state paying the private sector to help with waiting lists, I have no reason to slam your health service and the efficient way Denmark dealt with Covid testing was impressive. Dentists, on the other hand, I'm not so impressed by. It's free, via tax, for the young, but our son's been waiting two years for braces. When it's not free, the cost is eye-watering. Some Danes go abroad for work on their teeth. It's cheaper to fly to Poland than go local. One story where the health service wasn't so reassuring. My mother-in-law an ex-nurse, once had an eye operation. It didn't work, but that's no surprise. She said the last thing she heard the doctor say before the gas knocked her out was, so what do we use this for? Sweet dreams. In these last three pods, I've covered the health of Denmark's democracy, the health of the Danes, and the health of the health service. So what about Denmark and the health of the environment? Like most newcomers to Denmark, I knew little of Denmark, so some activities were, at first, a little puzzling. I remember sitting in a park sharing a six-pack with a friend. Near us was a rubbish bin. Every so often, someone would walk over to the bin, and rather than put something in, would stick their arm in and fish around. Then I would watch them walk off, head towards another bin, and do the same. Bizarre, I thought. 
One bin-searcher then walked up to us and pointed at our beers. Rude. But then enlightenment. They were collecting empty cans and beers for pant. One kroner per empty. I'd never heard of such a thing. That was 18 years ago. I was impressed and still am. Danes don't put their empties in bins. They either take them with them or leave them at the side of bins for these pant collectors. At the weekend, people take huge bags of empties to the local supermarket, the results of the party the night before. Danes care about the environment. They cycle when they can, buy electric cars when they can. They have a passion for second-hand furniture, though IKEA is still hugely popular. Communes burn waste to provide district heating. They buy organic when it's not prohibitively expensive. Companies such as Too Good To Go try to reduce waste from bakeries and restaurants by offering end-of-day discounts. And Denmark is at the forefront of green technology and renewable energy. Every six months or so, our Endils Bolifereining has a clear-out, with a container out front for all our old furniture, bikes, etc. It shouldn't now, but it always surprises me to watch passing Danes peer in or go in to collect something that they see a use for. But, and I'm sorry there has to be a but, Denmark and the Danes aren't exactly consistent in their going green mission. Denmark has 29 million pigs reared intensively on 3,800 farms with 90% of the pork exported. You simply won't see a pig outside in Denmark. All these leading green innovations, but don't touch the pig industry. An average Dane's carbon footprint is one of the highest in the world. They like their meat. They buy their goods and clothes online, shipped from far-off lands. They fly to ski resorts en masse and Thailand in January. And, as I've said, they drive to Italy or Spain for their summer holidays. Many Danes don't do this. Absolutely don't. But this is a land of contradictions. Buy organic, then fly to Thailand. Have a run, then have some beers. Support gender equality, but addicted to porn, according to a news report this week. Christine walked in yesterday from work. Her colleagues had just returned from a fag festival. Not as comical as I'd like it to be. Fow means profession. A Lifetime Achievement Prize was given to a journalist for 40 years of highlighting climate and environmental issues. There was huge applause, immediately followed by the arrival of the main course. Big beef steaks for 700 people. Oh well. A random sound to separate this last bit off. I hear it's the done thing to give folks a heads up about future episodes and also provide contact info in case anyone has any comments or whatever. So, the heads up. Next Sunday is the kick-off of FIFA and Qatar's celebration of democracy, equality, unity, tolerance and transparency. And football. I'll put out a pod before then because A. I'll have little time once it starts and B. I wrote a football-related thing last summer, the day after the England-Denmark game. If anyone has any nice comments about this pod, speakenglish.dk has my details. If anyone has any not-nice comments, my email address is christine at... And you're welcome to rate and share this pod 
if you find it mildly interesting. Cheers. Thank you.